slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Every knee will bow before recognize our 2021 graduates and uh, we will begin with Ashton Bowman who unfortunately is unable to be with us this morning due to illness uh, but Ashton Bowman son of Garrett and Jennifer Bowman is graduating from Christian Academy of Fine Arts Ashton enjoyed participating in D now hot hearts and vacation Bible school his favorite memories are his small group experiences at hot hearts and going to Astros games. Ashton will be attending Lamar University. Ashton Bowman. Miss Annie Downs, daughter of Jeremy and Lindsay Downs. Annie is graduating from Veritas Classical Academy. 
Annie enjoyed participating in Vacation Bible School, youth camp, and Christmas caroling. Her favorite memory is a girl's sleepover where they watched Disney movies and talked all night. Annie will be attending Sam Houston State University to study music education. Miss Annie Downs. John Carlton Mosley, son of David and Lisa Mosley, is graduating from the Christian Preparatory Academy. John enjoyed participating in the Alaska mission trip, D-Now, Hot Hearts, and the camp out with Pastor Raymond. His favorite memories are Sunday night basketball and vacation Bible school. John will be attending LIT and Lamar University. Mr. John Mosley. Miss Brooke Underdown, daughter of Ryan and Lisa Underdown, is graduating from Lumberton High School. Brooke enjoyed participating in Vacation Bible School, Mission Trip, Youth and Preteen Camps, D-Now, Rec Night, Super Bowl Parties, and Rebuilding Homes. Her favorite memory is when she accepted Christ at Preteen Camp in 2015. Brooke will be attending Texas Tech University to study engineering. Miss Brooke Down, Miss Brooke Underdown. <laughs> Your 2021 graduating high school seniors. Let's all stand together as we continue to praise our Savior at the cross. Love ran red.
cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red, when my sin Fork in the road Yogi was talking about. It's right near his home in Montclair, New Jersey. Now the quote may have a zen-like enigmatic quality, but Yogi says it's as clear as crystal. Yogi says that's how he tells people how to find his home. You see, both roads lead to Yogi's house. So when you said it, it was just a simple set of directions to get to your house. When you get to the fork in the road, take it. Either way, you're going to get to Yogi Berra's house. I wish I knew I, I could make these up, but you know, I've had a lot of people say, gee, you say a yogiism. I don't know any of them. <laughs> well, I, in the first service, it wasn't a problem because everybody understood who Yogi Berra was, but uh, this younger crowd may not, may not know who that is. And he was a phenomenal baseball player, unprecedented in achievement. He was an 18-time uh, all-star. Uh, he was on the winning side of the World Series 10 different times. And for those of you that are a little bit older, you may remember that he finished out his career with the Astros from 1985 to 1989. But he had a lot of yogiisms, and that one's been quoted probably more than any. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. And interesting enough, as you hear the background of him sharing that, it's a simple explanation of how to get to his house. When you come to that fork in the road in front, you go either way and you end up at his house. But unfortunately, not all forks in the road are like that. They usually take us in different directions. And Jesus talks about that in John chapter 10, verse 10, in which he says, there are two agendas in life that are diametrically opposed from each other. We all stand at a fork in the road, a daily fork in the road, and we have to decide which direction we are going to go in to follow Christ or to follow someone else. And guys, this is your day. And so what I'm going to do is, uh, since I, I was thinking back, Ashton was the only one that uh, didn't spend a lot of time as a kid here, but all of you three, you grew up here. And uh, you remember the old children's time when we would sit up here on the stairs together? You remember that? Yeah, you don't have to do that today. I, I, but I'm going to sit on the stairs in front of you guys and, and share with you some thoughts from John chapter 10 that apply to all of us. I mean, everybody here will benefit from what we're going to say, but I want you guys to be thinking about it from your perspective of where you are in life, because John 10, 10, you guys remember that very well. A thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give life in all that's fullest. You guys are standing in a, a, a crossroads here. Um, this sermon series has been called The Great Interruption. You guys are in a great interruption right now. Up until this point in your lives, you pretty much knew what you're going to do. You know, once you got out of fifth grade, you're going to go in sixth grade. You, or you hope, you know, you hope you don't have to go back. But 
you know, then seventh and eighth, and it's just, it's, it's kind of this very predictable path. And even now, you think, okay, next step is college, but it's different. It's a great interruption. I mean, it's going to change. You don't just go to high school like you have, and things may change. Family dynamics, maybe moving out of the house, maybe moving away. So all that said, uh, it's a great interruption, and you stand at a fork in the road. And as you saw that video, it'd be great if the fork in the road you're standing at, hey, go left, go right, doesn't matter, I'm going to end up in the same direction, same place, same destination. Not true. So I want to share some thoughts with you from John chapter 10. And as we, as we go to this, it, it really dovetails with John chapter 9. In fact, it's a continuation of John chapter 9. And uh, that kind of stresses me out a little bit because uh, just a few minutes ago on television, people heard me say, as I was talking, remember last week we talked about the, the man that was born blind? And so for that particular, I tape television messages on, on Mondays. And so I was going through that again. I was trying to flip the, flay, the phrase back and forth. A man who was born blind, and he was blind from birth. And so without even me knowing it until later on I saw it, I said, the man who was born from birth. It's kind of like, sounds very profound. I think we're all born from birth. But anyway, instead of getting the blind guy in there, so here we are, we're back with the blind guy who was born from birth. And as we continue this on, Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, very truly I tell you. Now, whenever he says that, and we, we say, well, that sounds like archaic language. But it's kind of like when your parents call you by all three of your names. It's like it is time to open up and pay attention. And that's what Jesus is saying. What I'm about to tell you is very profound. So I want to read this passage of Scripture. And all of you are welcome to join us. This is in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. I'm going to read from the New International Version. And it says, uh, again, continuation, same crowd. Who's there? You have the blind man. Some people that are still undecided about who Jesus is, the Pharisees who are already decided they don't want to have anything to do with him. They want to get rid of him. And he says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. So he's kind of pointing to this crowd of Pharisees. He says, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. And before I go any further, you know, it's so easy for us to listen to Scripture like this and think that it's archaic or it's irrelevant to us because, truthfully, I mean, did any of you raise sheep? Anybody got a sheep at home? You know, anybody here a shepherd? You know, that's on your resume. Probably not. And so for us, it's like, oh, man, the Bible is so archaic. It doesn't have any relevance to us. We're going to see how relevant it is. And when Jesus was speaking, uh, he was, could have been talking about engineering because everybody understood about being a shepherd. They saw sheep being paraded by all the time out into the countryside through the city, being a shepherd was a, a very common occupation, not an esteemed one, but a very common occupation. So as he's talking about all this, everybody that's listening there knew what was going on. And he says, okay, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought them out on his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. Now, here's an interesting thing. is In John's gospel, he doesn't give any of Jesus' parables. The other three gospels do, but we don't find any of the parables in John's gospel. He uses figurative language. Again, be thinking about this. At the end of John, John would say, you know, I could have written so much about Jesus. In fact, if I wrote everything that we know about Jesus, the world couldn't even contain all the books that that would require. So he's being very selective here, and he's picking and choosing very strategic stories, and this is one of them. And he's telling us that he's the good shepherd and why we should follow him. Listen on as we continue on. He says, therefore, and he said the Pharisees didn't understand what he's talking about, and maybe we don't understand yet. We will. Verse 7, therefore, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, and all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. He's talking about these guys around here. You're a bunch of crooks. But the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. There's that famous verse, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he runs, leaves the sheep to scatter. Then the wolf attacks the flock, and they do scatter. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. He didn't care anything about the sheep. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus is going to say that twice. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock with one shepherd. How about we pray about this, okay? God, thank you for your word. And on the first pass, we can pull out our smartphone and say, what in the world does that have to do with me? But God, we recognize that your word is timeless. And the message that you're giving us applies to every person in this room and all those that are listening online. Help us to gain those truths. Help us to not stumble over language that is 2,000 years old. Help us to see the truth in it. Truth never changes, no matter how old it gets. So help us to see the truth. I pray for these, these graduates, for Annie and John and Brooke and Ashton. Lord, give them insight. May they carry these truths with them on the pathway they go. And as they stand at a fork in the road every single day, deciding which direction they will go. And for all the rest of us, may we do the same. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Remember, John is writing this gospel because he wants us to see who Jesus is. And his objective is that we would follow Jesus, would recognize he's the Messiah, and that we would follow after him, follow hard after him as we pray. Why, why should we follow Jesus? Well, in John 10, Jesus is giving us reasons to follow him. Everything in culture is going to be screaming at you guys to go a different way than following Jesus. Do you believe that? Okay, if you, you don't. I can tell you don't. All right, let me just ask these older people that, that they've stumbled down the road. Will everything in culture be encouraging them to walk a pathway different than following Jesus? That's pretty much all of us. Will be. So, so I'm trying to say, as John did, you should follow Jesus so, so for some very good reasons. And the first one is great. Jesus says, he's good. We look back at verse 11, and Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now, he starts that off by saying, I am going back to say, hey, I'm God. And as God, I am the good shepherd. And we think of the word good, and it's like, okay, it's good. Maybe a little bit better than the other options. You're going to go to college, and there's going to be some good options. But what Jesus is saying is, I'm the best option. I'm the perfect option. I'm beautiful. I'm winsome. That's what this word means. See, in the Old Testament, the, the, the prophets specifically talked about the religious leaders that were bad shepherds. They were evil shepherds. They were very self-centered and they were very focused on their own uh, agenda. And so Jesus is contrasting that, especially as he's talking to the Pharisees. You guys are horrible shepherds. You don't care about the sheep. You just care about yourselves. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And, she and sheep need a shepherd. You're sheep. And so are all of us. The Bible tells us that in, in Isaiah 53, 6. It says that all of us are like sheep that have gone astray. Now, you guys look great. I mean, you look really smart. I bet you're probably smarter than I am since everything, to, you know, the knowledge continuing. You graduate from high school, now you're smarter than somebody like me. You don't feel like sheep. You don't look like sheep. And when you walked by, you didn't smell like sheep. But we're all sheep. And to help us to understand that, we've done this before, but it'd just be helpful for all of us to just give your best, and we're going to do that on three. We're all of us together are just going to acknowledge that, that we are, are sheep. And for those of you that don't do this, you're, you're proving that you're a sheep because you're not <laughs> cooperating. Okay, you ready? On three. One, two, three. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. First service was kind of bad, but you guys did really well. And you know, as, as, as we think about sheep, 
what we know about from an agricultural world is they're defenseless. They're very difficult to care for, and they have absolutely no defense. And, and one professor said that sheep are proof positive, and you're going to face this in college. They're proof positive against the theory of evolution. Because what does the theory of evolution tell you? It's the survival of the fittest, the strongest. And sheep have absolutely no defense mechanism. And so they need someone to protect them. Crazy enough, it says here, as we read earlier, sometimes when the wolf will come, that they will scatter. That's one way. That's about the only defense that they have. They, they might run, but they're slow, and they're awkward, and they're clumsy, and the predator's always going to get them. The other thing that they think is a defense mechanism is they just kind of lay down. Like, okay, the, the wolf can't see me here. I'm invisible. Well, that's not very helpful either. We are defenseless, and Jesus is saying, you need a shepherd, but not just any shepherd. You need a good shepherd. And when Jesus defines himself as a good shepherd, he's saying, I can be trusted. Have you ever prayed to God and felt like you couldn't trust through the answer? It's almost like you didn't want to pray because you thought it might go in a different direction, so you thought, yeah, I'm just going to cut my losses. We've all done that. And Jesus is saying, you can trust me. All through the Gospel of John, John, remember, we're in the last six months of Jesus' life. So we've traversed a lot of landscape in the first nine chapters. We're in the last six months of his life. And all through the book of John, he's chronicling how people are falling off. They follow Jesus because of the miracles and the great teaching that he had, how cool he was. But then the more they learned about him, they began to drop off. You remember the rich young ruler? It's not in this gospel. It's in the other three. But the rich young ruler was a guy that had an incredible portfolio. Do you know what a portfolio is? You'll, you'll get there. Yeah, that will become very important to you. And he had all kinds of money. He was very rich. And he came to Jesus, and he wanted to know how he could experience eternal life. And Jesus said, you know, you're a rich guy. And I'm not interested in your riches. But I'm interested in your heart. And I'm interested in what's best for you. So here's the deal. You go sell all that you possess and you give it to the poor. Don't give it to me. I don't need it. I don't want it. You give it all to the poor and then come follow me. And what did the rich young ruler do? You guys have grown up in the church. What did he do? He turned away. Why? Because he didn't trust Jesus. He thought, I need that money. And he couldn't trust Jesus. And a lot of us do the same thing. Is I can't trust Jesus. And Jesus is saying, listen, you can trust me. I don't make mistakes. Have you ever felt like you're a mistake in life? I have many times. Yeah. Like, why am I here? What good does my life serve? Zero purpose. We can all feel that way. You're not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't say people were born from birth. He always gets it right. And so why should you follow Jesus? Because he's good. He's a good shepherd. And the second reason you should follow him is he knows you by name. Now, what if I were to call you guys, three of you, Larry, Mo, Curly? How would you feel? How is it when people walk by you and they say, hey, you can tell, like, I have no clue what your name is. I was in seminary, and a guy down the hall for me, my entire seminary career, we lived in the dorm together. And in seminary, they would have you put your name in the door. You had to do that. Your name tag was on your door, real small. And my, you know what my name is, by the way? Yeah. He called me Kevin all through seminary. All through seminary. You know what that's like when people don't call you by the right name. You can tell they don't really know you that well. The people that really know you, they call you by name. That's why your parents do call you by all three of your names when you're in trouble, because they know you. And Jesus says here in verse 3, listen to what it says. He says, my sheep, I call them by name. Jesus knows who you are. Whether you feel kind of lost in a crowd or isolated or lonely or kind of purposeless, and believe me, in college you'll feel very purposeless. You get to that sophomore year, and you're wondering if you need to change your major, and I mean, I did. Uh, I mean, you just, it's confusing sometimes. Don't, don't quit. 
Don't quit. The ones that finish are the ones who stay with it. And I'm proof positive of that. And so Jesus is saying, my sheep know my name. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story about sheep that probably won't interest you, but it helps you to understand this passage. Is that there were sheep pens. He's talked about that. And so you have all these sheep, all these people that are shepherding. It's not like they're, they're shepherding you know, thousands of sheep. They may have 10 or 12, small. And when they were way out in the country, they would take their sheep and they would find a place that would be safe, like a cave. And they would put the sheep in the cave. And then the shepherd would lay down in front of the cave so that if anybody wanted to come in, like a wolf or a bear or a robber, they would have to go over them. If the sheep wanted to leave, they'd have to cross over him so he would wake up. And so they were protected out in the country. But when they got back to the village, there was a common, it's called a communal pen. And so all these people that had sheep, when they got into the village, instead of everyone taking it to their own place, they had this big pen. And all the shepherds would take their sheep to the pen and they put them in there together. And you're wondering, okay, if you've got 10 sheep and sheep kind of look alike, right? And you put them all together, how in the world are you going to find your sheep the next day? It's kind of like going to one of those baseball games and up on the big screen in between innings, you know, they put the ball in there and they put the cans and they start mixing it all up. It's like, how in the world will I find my sheep in the midst of all that? But here's a crazy thing. The next morning, the shepherd would come to the the gate and he would start saying, Annie, John, Brooke, Ashton. They would stop doing what they're doing and they trot over to them. And every shepherd would call their sheep by name And they would go to their shepherd. And none of them would get confused because they knew their shepherd knew them and would call them by name. And then Jesus is saying, in this ancient passage of the scripture that may sound so irrelevant, he's saying, I know your name. I don't care what crowd you're in. I don't care how big the stadium is or how many thousands of people are there. I know exactly where you are. I know your name. And I'm calling you by name. So I want you to to follow me. And you know, he... He gives some of us maybe little nicknames. Do you guys have some nicknames, by the way? No nicknames. None that you want to share. I understand that. You do? What? Man, tell me about it. What's your nickname? Well, you suddenly forgot your nickname. Well, we'll talk about it later. But you know, who's writing this? You remember who's writing the Gospel of John? It's like a college test. Who's writing the Gospel of John? You, you need a lifeline for that one? Is a, okay, John would be the answer there, right? What do, we know about, what do we know about John and his brother James? What did Jesus call them? Do you remember? The sons of thunder. Why? Because they were kind of hotheads. They had some anger issues. They were angry elves. And so Jesus would call them sons of thunder, not to be mean to them, but as he would do that, he would remind them, guys, we need to kind of need to massage that a little bit. And he probably wouldn't say, oh, you horrible sons of thunder. He would say, hey, sons of thunder, you guys over there and go over there and try to solve that conflict, reminding them of the issues that they need to address. So Jesus might call us by a different name than our given name. He might say, hey, impatience reminding us that we might need to work on our patience. He says, hey, a worrier. Oh, yeah, I need to kind of work on not worrying so much. Jesus calls us by name, and sometimes he calls us by names of things that we, we need to change. He knows your name. That's why you should follow him. And why should you follow him? Because he goes ahead of you. We, we look back at verse 4, and it says, when he's brought all the sheep out of the pen, the communal pen, called him by name, then it says he will go before him. See, shepherds don't drive their sheep. You know, we're, we're thinking of maybe today they probably get in a little golf cart and, you know, run around and, you know, get the sheep to go where they're supposed to go. But that's not the way it works. A shepherd leads the sheep. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd and I go before you. You think back to Psalm 23 that talks about uh, the good shepherd and that he would go before them and he would find the still water because sheep won't drink out of a running brook. No pun intended. But they won't drink out of what they, they need the water to be still so they feel confident and secure. Sheep will literally starve right next to a green pasture because they can't find it. And he would lead them to the pasture. He would lead them to the safe places 
where there wouldn't be snakes or there wouldn't be wolves. God goes ahead of you. And you say, well, what does that mean? Okay, we got Sam Houston, and we got LIT, and we got Texas Tech. God's already there. He's gone ahead of you. He knows exactly what you're going to encounter when you get there. He's not going to be surprised. You're going to show up, and, and something's not going to work on your schedule, and he's going to say, oh, man, I never saw that coming. Okay, let's do it. He, he goes ahead of you, and he knows how to make things right. Preparing a way for you is what it means. Let me tell you a, a kind of a funny story of a guy who was out driving with his family on vacation. And they're driving down the road and everything's going well. And then they come to this juncture where they see a barricade. And there's a big sign there that says, bridge out ahead, take detour. And he's thinking, I'm a man. I could make this work. This was long before the, the days of Waze and Google Maps and all those different apps. So he decides, the road looks perfectly fine to me on the other side of that barricade, and so he's a man. So he goes around the barricade, and he heads down the road. He's making great time, thinking, I am so much smarter than all the idiots that took the detour, and he's going down the road. About 20 minutes later, he comes and finds that the bridge is out. So he turns around. 20 minutes later, he gets back to the sign, that big sign that said, bridge out, turn around, take the detour. He gets back to that sign, and on the other side of the sign he sees when he comes back, welcome back, stupid. Now, that's a great message for all of us because there will be many times that Jesus goes ahead of us and says, this isn't a good path. And we'll say, looks fine to me. And a time will come in our lives when we look back with regret, and we'll get back to that same spot, and we'll read the words, welcome back, stupid because we didn't follow him. Jesus won't say that. But we'll know that we were stupid because we didn't follow him. Andy, there's going to be a good-looking guy at Sam Houston. And he's going to have just everything going, and you're going to be saying, I knew why I came to Sam Houston. And God's going to say, Annie, just keep walking. Just keep walking. I'm ahead of you. If there's a better guy, don't go for Mr. Hollywood. And that's going to, and your dad's going to be saying the same thing. That's right, yeah. But you're going to have experiences like that. Listen to the voice of God because he's going ahead of you. That's why you should follow him. And then why should you follow Jesus? You guys need a break. You need a break. I mean, you've yawned several times while I've been talking, so I just was curious. You need a break. Okay. All right. You need to stand up, do some calcetics or something. Okay, you good? All right. Why should you follow Jesus? Because he has laid down his life for you, to save you, to provide for you, and make your life full. Who else has done that? Listen to these verses again in, in John chapter 10, verse 9. It says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That's why Jesus came to save us from the power and the penalty of sin. Just like one of those sheep that needs to be rescued, needs God to, to take care of them. See, here's, a, here's an interesting thing about sheep. They can get in a position that's called cast, C-A-S-T. And what will happen is they will get so comfortable that they'll kind of roll into a position in which their feet leave the ground. And so they're kind of in this awkward position, and what happens is they can't right themselves. They can't get up. And so unless somebody comes and helps them get back on their feet, they will literally die there. And what Jesus is saying to us is we're all cast. We are all in a position in which we cannot save ourselves like those sheep. And so he came to save us by laying down his life. And he came to provide for us, as he said, he provides for the sheep. And he came to give us life in all of its fullness. That's what John 10, 10 says. And that word, abundance, it means much more than you need. Your parents are going to load you up with far more than you need to go to college. I mean, you're going to show up at your, your dorm room or wherever it is you're living, and you're going to have a lot more than you need. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you far more than you need. I'm going to exceed expectations. 
That's what this word abundance means. So I want you to think about Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And Jesus, writing through the, through the letter, the pen of Paul, said that God wants to do for us more than we can ever imagine. Why would you follow Jesus? You're going to follow a lot of losers. I'm just, we all do. You're going to follow some losers when you get to college. And they're going to look like winners. And they're going to take you right to that, that bridge that's out. And so you need to just think now before you get there, before those people show up. Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to follow somebody that's going to take you down the wrong path? Jesus wants to give you more than you can even imagine, more than you want, if you can imagine that. You know, when Jesus died, he died with nothing. Think about the cross. When he died, he died with nothing. He didn't own a single thing. The Roman executioners took his clothes. He died penniless with nothing. Yet he died with everything and riches beyond our comprehension. And when he died, it says that he laid down his life. Do you remember that the, the Romans were surprised? Pilate was surprised when Jesus died, that he died so quickly. Remember that? Yeah, they were all surprised. The other two thieves, were, were, they were still uh, alive. But Jesus was dead, and they were wondering why. And you remember what Jesus said after he yelled that word to telestai, which means the, the penalty has been paid for. It says that he laid back his head like on a pillow. That's what it means in the original language. Didn't like you've seen the movies where he just drops his head. But it literally means in the original language that he laid his head back like on a pillow. And it was over. He had the power to do that. He's that powerful to be able to lay down his life. And remember what happened three days later? He had the power to bring back his life. That's the one that I'm encouraging you to follow. So, one other thing. Why should you follow him? Because he's provided a way that you don't have to do the journey alone. Look at one more verse of scripture in verse 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep. Now, commentators will tell us that that probably refers to the Gentiles. He's speaking to the Jews, and they think that the Messiah is only for them. And Jesus is saying, I came for those outside of the Jewish community. I came for the Gentiles as well, so other people are going to come to Christ. But I want you to hear this. God has provided a way for you so that you don't have to go alone. How many people do you know at Texas Tech already, Brooke? Two. Okay, you know, two people out of 40,000 people. So you're covered. You're good. I mean, you got a lot. John, how many of you know at LIT? Four or five. So you, and you tripled Brooke here, okay? And how many of you know at Sam Houston? None. Okay. So you're kind of like sheep going out among the wolves in a way. College is great, by the way. I'm all for education. I'm all for college. It's way too expensive, but I'm all for it. And so I'm not belittling that. I'm just saying you have to be very careful because of the worldviews that are there. And what's saying here is Jesus is saying that I've provided a way that you don't have to be alone. You know there's Christians at Texas Tech, at LIT, in Lamar, Sam Houston. God's already got people out there. He's already gone before you. You don't have to do this journey alone. Sometimes you feel like you're very much alone, don't you? And, and I guarantee you, your freshman year, you'll feel very much alone. You may want to quit. I did. I called my parents crying. About two weeks into the semester, and I said, I'll come home. I can't do this. Way too much to do. You may feel that way. Sometimes you feel very alone in your relationship with God. You're going to be away from the church. John, maybe you'll keep going here. That'd be great. You better. Uh, but you can feel very much alone in your relationship with God. And it's like, am I the only one that feels distant from God? Am I the one, only one that feels so sad? Am, am I the only one that doesn't seem to get some things? And Jesus is saying, I've provided other believers to be a part of your life. So we gather as community on Sundays to remind us that we don't walk through Christianity alone. We walk in community. That's why you hear us say, this is where relationships matter most. It's not just about having a great party, though we should have lots of good parties, but about having a relationship with God and a relationship with other people that help us in that relationship with God. So know that there are people ahead of you. So there's a church out there for you in, in, in Lubbock, over in Houston, oh, Huntsville, I should say. There's a, there's a church for you right here, John. It's a, but 
No, you feel free to go wherever you feel like God's calling you to go, but God's got a place for you. You've got people that are there. And so I want to talk about the final thing. of There's only one requirement, only one requirement to receive all these benefits of a good shepherd. You know what it is? To follow him. It's the only requirement. Sheep have the option. They can follow the shepherd into green pastures and still waters and everything that they need, or they can choose to not follow him and be torn apart by the wolves. All you have to do is follow him. And we're going to pray for you guys to do that in just a minute, that you would follow hard after him. But, you know, there may be someone, in, and you guys have heard this prayer many times at the end of my messages. You've, you've heard me talk about what it means to follow Christ. And you might, all three of you have done that. I trust that that's a genuine commitment. But there may be someone that's listening, maybe somebody online or somebody in the room here that doesn't realize that God really does love them. And he created them to have a relationship. And God is going to have you guys go in places to tell other people that. Because sometimes you can listen to that at the end of the message and, and you can say, oh, here he goes. We've, gosh, how many times have we heard this? But that's not the point. It's not the point of how many times you've heard it. The point is how many times have you shared it with other people. And God wants to lead you as a good shepherd to share this with other people, that God does love them, and he's created them to have a relationship with him. But they're like sheep that have gone astray and are in a cast position, and they cannot save themselves. They are lost in their sin without Christ, but thankfully, we have a good shepherd who can make us right with God. And by humbly repenting of our sins and surrendering our complete life to Christ, we can be in right relationship with the good shepherd, that all we have to do is follow him. So I'd like to pray for all of us here and anybody that has never received Christ, that, that you might pray to receive Christ as your good shepherd uh, today. And then in a minute, when I get finished, we're going to invite you as a congregation to come up here and, and pray for these graduates. But let's, let's pray right now together. God, as we come to the conclusion of this time of teaching we recognize that you are a good shepherd and we would be crazy not to follow you. But we recognize it so many times. We're distracted by the things of the world, misperceptions in our own mind, bad perspectives, lured away by things that would entice us, sometimes other people, and we don't. And God, there may be someone right now that has never seen you as good shepherd and decided to follow you, recognizing that they are in a cast position, desperate, hopeless without you. But with you, you completely overwhelm us with hope. You take away the power and the penalty of sin. So if someone even now is ready to receive Christ, might they pray a prayer similar to this? Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, I pray that everyone who claims you as Lord would truly follow hard after you every day that we have left. We're reminded even from this teaching about you being the good shepherd that the one requirement for us is to follow you. When we follow you, we're being obedient. We're believing that where you're going is best. I pray that these graduates heading off into a new season of life, an exciting season of life, but one that has many challenges and many threats, I pray that they would truly follow hard after you. In Christ's name we pray. One of the beauties of Graduate Sunday, and uh, you guys, the, the class before you, the class of 2020, they thought, boy, this is the worst ever. You guys had that in your junior and senior year. So you've really been through a lot. And interesting enough, as we pray for our, our graduates at the end of the ser service, is that this week, the CDC gave us permission to, to not have to wear a mask. So it gives us a chance to huddle around you guys and pray over you. And maybe give you COVID, I don't know. But, but, but we're going to do that. And we don't take that lightly. I'm just joking. But I, I like for you guys, just three different spots, like in front of the keyboard, here, and over there. 
you just stand there and the, the church, you that feel comfortable, don't anybody feel pressure. I said that and I'm going to get a letter about being insensitive to COVID. I, I, I don't mean that at all. Just if you don't feel comfortable, don't. If you want to wear a mask, it's fine. We're going to invite you to come down and just pray over these graduates. Pray aloud over them so they hear you. One of the reasons that we do this church family is, is that they are going to go into a, a challenging experience. We all know that. College is a challenging experience. And it's a season in which most people walk away from their relationship with the church and many times with their faith. And if they contemplate that, we want them to remember that one of the last experiences they had at their home church was their church family surrounding them and praying over them. And that would be a visual that maybe would keep them following after the Good Shepherd. So you guys go ahead over here and all of you as a church family, you just that want to come down and hover around them and pray over them. And then after we have had this time of prayer, we'll enter into a time of worship and response. And I'll be standing at the cross after this if anybody wants to surrender their life to Christ, somebody to pray for them, you have questions about the church, and you can also see us in the atrium after the service. But for now, let's spend time praying over these graduates. <laughs> 